Welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists, and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. Today, Dr. Bosazan interviews Dr. Michael Ahrens. The spine surgeon presents the smallest operation tent we have ever seen, which he invented to perform surgery under troubled conditions and to bring proper health care to disaster areas. This single-use, expandable and sterile surgical isolation system does not require electricity and is not dependent on infrastructure to save lives. Before we go into the details, I would like to know what happened in your life, what occurred in your life along the way that brought you to this point where you decided to use your time and energy and talents and everything that you are to serve the planet and the needs of humanity. Actually, that goes back to the uh, decision studying medicine. My grandmother studied medicine and she was a great role model for me. Uh, she had a great influence, even th um, though she passed away uh, early. I was about 12, but uh, since then I was firm in my decision to study medicine. And that gave me the opportunity to, um, to work as a physician, um, preferable as later surgeon, because I liked the, uh, liked, uh, the connection to technology. And I believe um, to help um, people, uh, it is important to take care of the people, but also advanced technology. And I had the best opportunities with my uh, chosen subspecialty. I entered orthopedic surgery. And it goes without saying that you need technology to perform uh, orthopedics. And I subspecialized further into spine surgery. And along that way, I was influenced with many challenges and shortcomings in uh, medical device development. So I got engaged in uh, medical industry and Surgitent is the latest project and for me um, the greatest because I left uh, clinics basically to serve full-time in the startup. So very happy to explain this in more detail. So yeah, explain it in more detail. What is Surgitent? Uh, Surgitent is actually not a complete new idea. People had tried that before uh, on the space station, in uh, children's hospitals, everywhere is a need to have an enclosed environment to work sterilely. And so it had been tried already in the late 80s, um, but people had just seen the need to address one problem. And in, uh, in surgery, especially in a, in a workflow, you have to see the complete problem. So if you just address one thing um, that, that is connected to many others, most likely you will fail. You have to, to have the complete picture. You have to have acceptance by the users, the nurses, the doctors and the administration. So it's a very complex um, task to develop a medical device which will succeed in the market. So I just had the great opportunity as a doctor to be in the middle of it and see all these um, shortcomings and develop a solution for it. And Surgitent is uh, not only uh, an enclosed surgical atmosphere, it looks basically like an um, incubator, um, so you can um, provide a sterile atmosphere which is connected um, to the patient and that basically allows to perform surgery anywhere um, you would like. Uh, so even without the hospital infrastructure. So just to make sure that most people understand the word, it's a tent, like a tent, uh, to go camping, 
for surgery, for, for performing surgery. So it's, uh, it's actually an, uh, an extraordinary device. So yeah, tell us how, how, you, um, how you envision the application there, Paul. It's actually not, uh, we could make it in the size of uh, going camping, but uh, most <laughs> likely the space would not uh, uh, would be not sufficiently. The idea is actually that you don't need a complete OR. You only need to protect your incision and you need as much um, space as a doctor uh, needs to do his uh, work and uh, perform with his colleagues. So we analyzed uh, moving patterns of arms and looked actually that the space that is needed for that is much smaller. So it's a mini tent, not suitable for camping, um, <laughs> but um, suitable for performing surgery. So um, it is much smaller, but it's also uh, very adaptable to individual um, surgeries. So in the end, it's, um, it is not a, not a shoe box. Um, but not a not a camping tent tent either. It's like two shoe boxes, not much bigger than two shoe boxes. Depending depending on the surgery we would like to yeah. perform, we have uh, created a workflow which uh, actually could mix and match the need and the size of, of it. So we, from the beginning on, we we, we knew we have to have a mass um, mass production capability, and that flew all into that design. So that's why we think we will succeed with that idea of an independent surgical atmosphere. Um, and if you know, we, uh, we have like six billion people which don't even have a hospital in, in, in close proximity. Ultimately, um, you would make a difference in limb or life in these locations, but it's also usable in the first world um, uh, with great advantages in preventing um, so-called surgical site infections by just controlling the atmosphere. Um, so we can, we can provide a, a so-class um, class 6 to 7 ISO class, which is just possible in, um, in semiconductor industry, um, but would be never be, um, be possible to achieve that in the real OR, because you have all these people moving around without a full body cover. Um, so you have um, exposure of skin of the nurse or of the anesthesiologist. So it, despite the presence of a laminar flow at the ceiling, you will never have a class 7 in an OR. And class 7 means? ISO class 7 means um, um, it goes from class 1, I believe, until class 7, and they count the particles in the air. Uh, which works in semiconductors? Yeah. Not necessarily microbes. And it, it's an equivalent. A certain size of particle is, could be a, a, a dead uh, a matter or a bacterium, but it's very well defined how many particles are allowed per volume of air. And these laminar flows, which are very expensive and stationary in a, in a surgical um, uh, environment, are, are seen as the ultimate answer to provide a sterile atmosphere. Which is not true, because as soon as a doctor puts his neck into that laminar flow and looks into the surgical operation field, his neck is exposed. And these laminar flow blows uh, whatever is in his neck directly into the wound. So we have a low infection rate in the first world um, but it's still way higher than it should be. And looking at the consequences of uh, an infection, uh, what that means for the individuum, we believe that our tent is suitable for the first and for the third world. Mm -hmm. So, but what was the trigger point that made you decide to start this company? Because obviously, with the education that you have and with the experience that you have, you started all studied all over the world. You could have probably 
attained any any job and any position that would have, you would have wanted? What made you leave the how should I say the security of a of of a of a secure job to start to become an entrepreneur? What was the trigger point? The trigger point was just the desire that I had found a problem which was not addressed properly. Mm -hmm. And when I see a problem, I like to go the full mile until I find a solution which actually works. That's how I like to address problems. I don't like to give up. But this was an extreme long process. So um, I did a long, um, in parallel to clinical work, I achieved an MBA in Madrid at the IE University. I attended uh, other courses to actually acquire the entrepreneur um, knowledge, which goes without saying you're not acquiring when you have surgical training. That's why so many search, search and inventors fail if they don't have the proper support. So I just achieved that along the way, which was very intensive. Um, so which is the reason why we invest, invest, invest in, in you, because you're such an all-around entrepreneur. Yeah, so there was, there was a, a, a point where I decided this is what I want to do, and this was a year-long process. And when I, when I finally had everything together, I um, submitted the patent, which was a very large uh, patent. Um, we, we had a very strategic approach to how to submit patents and secure um, the trademark. Um, and then further develop the company and then approach you and others um, to support this idea and move forward. So that was multi, multi stages uh, and uh, not just one point where we said now we have it. It was a long development process. But luckily we found people like you who helped us, uh, which is one of the key, key points I believe that, that you are able to convince others with your idea and take them along the way. Yeah, so there are several stakeholders within this field. You obviously have to also choose your team. How did you choose your team? And then we could go next to investors and uh, other people. How did you choose your team? That's also key in the success of any company. Yes, if you have a very long way, there's a traditional way. Three founders, they go and hopefully they stick together until they exit. Um, if you have such a long way um, like, like we had, um, we have people from the very beginning when the company still wasn't founded, so colleagues who shared the idea, contributed uh, ideas, um, which are still uh, like in advisor roles today, but not in a classical team approach. It is in medical device, I think it's a little bit different and I still believe it was not it was unusual, as we discussed, but yes. um, for us it worked. So our team was more experts, high-caliber high experts, which we had to finance. But it wasn't like um, we had to pay there for their education. We had right from the beginning the right answers from business advisors over design. Um, so we had senior persons from the very beginning, which are part of our team, not by sharing um, equity in the company, um, but we paid advisory role or consultants. Yes, we, we bound them to us to advisory roles and the, the topic itself, everyone wants to work with us. There's, at this point where we are now, we get actually like applications people would like to join the project. So forming the team was never really a problem. People, people wanted to join and they stick voluntarily. Yes, but obviously there is more to the idea and, um, you know, funding and the location, uh, there's so much more to a team and trying to get a product out the door than you know, all these exterior 
uh, criteria like you know the building and the patents and all the stuff is the how do you identify the people that you can work with that you can trust that they uh, would be willing to go with you all the way how did you make that decision to offer these people equity obviously uh, no, we, we were very restrictive with that uh, um, uh, equity offering. It was more convincing them that this is the right thing to do. People people joined because they wanted to be part of that. So during the... So um, the purpose. Yes. Purpose-driven people was more important than... Uh, so well, you didn't have to do the conviction to convince them that this no, is the I, right thing. No, it was a guts feeling. So gut people, feeling. Uh, um, people um, who shared the same enthusiasm for the project during the MBA. We developed the business plan. So I had two um, co-students and it was very easy to convince them. So they they were part of the team during the business development. And since uh, the project was so long, they are still advisors today, but they have uh, also very responsible positions now in pharmaceutical industry. But we, we uh, have constant phone calls or Skypes and, and they are still uh, very active, but they are not actually team of a, uh, a part of a classical team. They're not doing the implementation, they're in an advisory no. role. Mm -hmm. Yes, and so um, it is not a classical team forming. It's uh, all of, of the people working with this project are individuals. And it's not really like I have to, um, to guide them. Everyone is expert, so I guide them more on a, on a task basis. I task them with specific things. So you're they, the project manager, you're coordinating really, everything. Really, it's more like, like a, it's not more an owner of, of a company. Um, it's more like a project management and it's on a peer-to-peer -peer basis. So we mm -hmm. uh, would only work with senior pe people, I think. Uh, but we, uh, as soon as we grow, we will have also younger and more uh, uh, less uniform structure of, of uh, team members, um, there will be difference. But so right you have now, peers at the equal peer-to-peer uh, -peer, peers exactly. equal responsibility, equal exactly. respect, equal impact, equal contribution. The, that is my preferred way. I, I'm, I'm a team player. I like that in sport. Um, I'm not so good actually in explaining people what they should do. I prefer working with people um, on same same level. So expertise uh, is important. Exactly, mm -hmm. because then I can learn from them and they could learn from me, otherwise it's just a one-way road. Which is important for certain functions, but in our project it worked very perfectly having, an, having a peer-to-peer -peer network. So, I, I'm just trying to um, identify what the key to success is for you here. So you are basically made sure that you attracted A-type people, people who are at your level, your qualification, your conviction, your purpose-driven, people that you could learn from and, you know, from eye to eye. Can you, you mentioned the word uh, gut feeling, can you define that a little bit better? And how the, did that work for you? Did you, did your gut, you know, guide you always toward a good decision or was it sometimes not so good? So far, I'm not, there is not really a process which you could put in in a model, mm -hmm. um, and it is is someone I need I need to to share the same humor with person. That's important. Humor, okay. Um, the the technical expertise goes without saying. Otherwise, I wouldn't even contact that person in the first place. Mm -hmm. But for me, the very first impression, or even the second. Uh, is very important and then most important how people behave under stress. Mm -hmm. That's a lesson I learned in, in, in uh, 
during a competitive rowing. If you know someone how he reacts under extreme stress, you know the person quite well. And, and yes. that, that is the foundation for trust. So if, if someone uh, in surgery you can work with very well, because that is normal to have stress situations there, or sport, or whatever you come up with situation, that, that is a very good foundation to find the right people. So in my case, it had been the stress for preparing for the exams and doing the MBA. Uh, we found people um, doing another project where we were under a lot of stress and I just saw how they behaved. So that's, I was just lucky to be in the right, uh, right time at the right spot to see people how they behaved and uh, recruited them. Well, yeah. Um, wonderful, you did a great job. Now let's go to the next step, to the how did you choose your investors? Because obviously you did not, you probably used the same criteria for inviting in the people who could support you with their money, because obviously you're the biggest investor in this entire thing, so all we can do is provide some financial aid to support your work. How did you, did you have a, a similar criteria that you used to, um, to work with investors? We would, uh, we weren't in this position very early on, so it was family and friends and I just asked uh, a colleague from another earlier project how, how I should select and his answer was quite easy, you take the money from the people who offer it to you. Uh, because early in a, sta a startup you don't have any choice. Um, there is no, no good selection process unless you're very unhappy and some alarm clocks go, go off. So for me it was clear I don't want it to work early with a VC and I don't want it to give up too, um, too early control rights unless that, that would have been a partner that would share equal risk and, and equity. So the selection process when we make contact with you we already had been in a stage where, where we were very happy to find an investor who shares way more than the classical analysis, what is evaluation, um, do you make money, do we get our investment back, um, so that there's much more behind um, how you invest. And actually I did my uh, little research on how do you invest and that, that was for me uh, quite honorable when you offered to invest in us, so it was way more we get additional money, um, we get the expertise and we get the same vision. Um, so, but normally you don't have that uh, luxury that you get approached by um, such a network. So we consider ourselves very lucky that we found you. Mm. Thank you. Well, uh, you said that you didn't want to invite uh, venture capital early, too early on into the process. Can you tell us why? and? What would be your way of That was actually more recommendation by other um, startups, uh, not by own expertise. And it might have worked for us. So I wouldn't say that this was a right or wrong decision. We just followed advice from people who had been there before. Um, just um, uh, out of pure lack of own experience, I cannot say how it would be working with a venture capitalist. Um, but I just prefer more people I know rather than managers who manage other people's funds. So we, we have investors, we know each of our investors personally and that's a very much preferred structure because I like um, the, the people I work with. 
Um, do you mean do you mean to make the difference between money managers and money owners? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I would prefer uh, people who own their money and can do with it what they like, yes. rather than ones that manage money and have certain expectations. That is, um, I consider still myself layperson, and, and I, I acquired the knowledge, but I, I wouldn't consider myself an, an expert in all these uh, business um, investment decisions process. For us, it was we wanted the money, and uh, we had some criteria. Um, so, if a venture capitalist uh, would have offered us money, most likely we would have. Uh, accepted that as well but since we had the choice we preferred um, having um, personal family uh, offices um, personal investment or people with a, with a specific background which we appreciated very much mm -hmm. moving forward how do you no let me before I go on this can you tell us a little bit more on the application of of Surgitent and the purpose that drove you in terms of the impact that you would like to have with this product? The, the idea came on the practical application. I'm very tall, so each time I had been in the surgical field, I banged with my head against the grip which uh, uh, controlled the, the headlights, rendered it unsterile. That happened every second surgery, mm -hmm. even though I, I paid a lot of attention to it. And the whole structure was clear that this is the best we could have worldwide. Germany is one of the best uh, medical, um, medical environments. And I was unhappy if that should be the best. And I thought, well, we just have 1.5 to 2 billion people who have access to hospitals at all. And I just uh, learned from other colleagues who were the other 6 billion. And the other six billion have nothing. So the, the ultimate driver was not to have five minutes faster surgery, save 100 euro here, um, but ultimately having an application where people have no access to healthcare at all. Um, but since we develop a business, we thought, well, it, it might work just developing something for the third world. But ideal-wise, you develop something that works in the first world and you, you are sustainable because you can earn money and then put it into the third world. That, for me, was the challenge, and I think we solved it. Oh, brilliant. So the driver was ultimately the other six to five, five to six billion who have no access. They will be our ultimate customer where you can make the difference between limp and life, uh, yes or no, which for them is ultimate. How do you see this product reach these people? Um, not the, they won't be our uh, final customers. The customer, okay. customers would be uh, Doctor Saint Frontiers or mm -hmm. the, the Red Cross, so large uh, health organizations. But looking at all these refugees, uh, which is just the starting of a process, um, people who want to have a better life coming here. One of the main things giving them a chance to stay at home is healthcare. Right. Um, and you're, you're not building uh, hospitals from one day over the other and you might not be able to do it ever. But you still have something which even the uh, World Health Organization calls essential surgery, which, which you have to provide to these people. But without the ability to, to perform a surgery in a sterile field, you can, can have as many surgical instruments there. Um, you will get infections and, and so you cannot perform the surgery. And this um, single-use uh, tent, which is made from uh, 
from a very environmental friendly plastic which you can incinerate with, without um, uh, major problems. Um, you can provide to these people a sterile atmosphere um, and even uh, simple surgeries uh, becomes possible in spaces where not a hospital is, is anywhere near, nearby. So with that, what I hear, you're already addressing a couple of the United Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations. One is healthcare, of course, then um, sustainability, environmental, uh, environmentally friendly materials, which is not easy to do, as I understand, within the medical field, where you work with the biohazardous materials very often. Can you tell me more about this? Yeah, actually, it's, it's a little bit your fault because... Um, My fault. <laughs> not your personal, uh, but you as an investor, because you encouraged us to, to pay way more attention to um, the selection of the material than we initially had, because some technical solutions are just problematic. You cannot do everything in medical device area environmentally friendly, but it is possible if you spend enough time and, and do the right design. So we were just encouraged by your, um, by, uh, by your goals. And when we uh, read a little bit more about our investor, uh, we thought, well, this must be possible. So we, we actually made some design changes to acquire that. Take that as a compliment. <laughs> it is, it is, take it as such. Uh, so um, th there was quite some extra hours we had to put in um, to do the design changes, but I was... Do you regret it? No, absolutely not. That's what I said. Um, we consider ourselves so lucky that you came on board, not only bringing investment, but uh, bringing a vision and knowledge. And that, that's what actually is most important. As much as you need the money, you need... A partnership. A partnership. Yeah. So you, you asked me earlier about the team. And I have a little bit different approach, as you know, to, to the team. So I consider you as an uh, investor part of the team. Of course. You don't necessarily have to be an employ employment, uh, employee of a company to be part of a team. There are other binding factors. So now our product is almost 95% uh, uh, um, completely um, made of, out of PE, uh, which uh, could be incinerated and then just water and carbon. Brilliant. Now let's go back to um, to to moving forward. How do you see yourself grow this company to have the impact that you would like to have? And what kind of quality investors are you looking for? Because obviously you will need more money moving forward and. How will you choose the investors that you want to have and your partners and how do you see, yeah, grow your company? Um, we have currently the strategy to focus on, on patents um, mm -hmm. and regulatory um, approvals, which is in medical device um, area, especially in Europe, uh, quite challenging. But we believe that we have the right um, chosen the right strategy um, and we are um, reasonable advance in uh, getting the CE mark. Um, so we believe we, we had made the right uh, de decisions, but we would like to maintain uh, on a low level production um, until we have um, uh, achieved more regulatory approval and focus on uh, further product development and uh, on a small scale um, feedback loops by key opinion leaders. 
um, to just um, conserve money because um, getting too early in the market and building distribution centers um, is also acquiring a lot of investment. And at that point, um, we believe we have made the right um, design changes um, so that on basically day one, when we make the decision to grow, we know how much time it is needed until we uh, could scale up. The design and regulatory and other aspects had been already strategically planned. Um, so we still have a little bit time until we have the next big investment need. Um, and who would be the right investor for it? Preferable someone who shares um, the same visions which we have now um, implemented into this product. So um, someone like you or someone from your network which uh, actually has the same, same vision, why, why we do it. Right. Um, and then of course uh, contribute with the network, so people who already had produced for the third world before connections to Red Cross. We have already established uh, many of these contacts, um, but very helpful would be obviously support in that regard uh, from an investment standpoint as well. Brilliant. So exterior transformation, obviously you are transforming the industry that you're in through your invention and your effort and your decision to become an entrepreneur comes from interior growth. What do you do to keep healthy and to be the person who you are? And uh, what is your daily practice? Obviously your humor is uh, extremely important to you in you, in the way you lead your life, which is from my perspective one of the most advanced traits of a human being, being humorous. So how do you stay healthy and... Um... Watch a lot of comedies. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, what do you do on a regular basis? Do you do uh, sports? Do you hunt? Yeah, sport, sport and, and um, sport is a very important part of it. Um, I, yeah, you already said it. I, I need to do things where I can laugh and, and uh, I like sports. So in that combination, I'm already very happy. That, that gives me an environment. Basically, all ideas I had, um, which led to patents or to trademarks, were doing skiing or other sport activities. So, that, that is just the old saying, a healthy mind, healthy body. I'm right. not as healthy as I had been 20 years ago, but I try my best. <laughs> well, getting older makes it even more difficult, I guess. So, what, what are three specific pieces of advice that you hold most dear that you would like to give to our listeners? Those who would like to step into your footsteps, who would like to decide to start their own company to make a difference in the world? Believe in yourself, find the right team and always be honest. Wow, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much for your for your time, your advice, and uh, for doing what you're doing. I really appreciate the world is better because you exist. Thank you. Thank you very much. One last question: Where can people go and learn more about your work? On purpose, we still uh, fly a little bit uh, further under the radar. We are not alone. Other have similar ideas. Of course, we have solved them better. But you're better. <laughs> um, but we, um, for that reason, we stay a little bit under the radar. 
So people who would like to learn more have to do it on a personal basis by contacting you. Okay. Um, but the real launch is about one and a half year away. Okay. Until great. then. For more on Dr. Bosazan and the okay, investment great. turnaround, Thank you so much visit investment-turnaround.com.